Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? All right, well, I mean, we're going to be talking about some stuff here, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there that there's probably going to be some spoilers, uh, because most of our questions have to do about Shadowlands, that game that just recently released. Uh, there's been some interesting tidbits that have come out from it and has led to some questions from you our listeners uh so we gonna go ahead and throw that out there again big spoiler warning if you're still leveling uh don't want anything ruined for you uh then maybe come back later uh give us a listen later after you have caught up to the uh through the expansion as far as the first four zones go uh, i believe that Everything we have here, question-wise, ends at that point. Uh, and speaking of questions, if you do wind up having questions for the show uh, or the other show or just in general, uh, you can go ahead and throw them on our Discord server. We do have two uh, channels set aside for that, one for patrons and one for, for non-patrons. Uh, we do tend to look for the patrons first, give them a little bit of a bonus for helping to support us. Uh, and as a matter of fact, most of our questions this week do come from there uh or if discord isn't your thing you can send them to us at uh email which is podcast at blizzardwatch.com uh so yeah without further ado i guess we're going to get started right into uh our questions here and our first one comes from our friend marie uh question for the lore watch probably hi matt and joe this is marie do you think we'll need a new lich king slash queen with a new helm to control or eradicate the scourge or do you think we'll just ignore the problem when shadowlands has progressed like we're ignoring the sword thanks for the discussion every week so we talked about this before we don't know if legitimately there needs to be a lich king or not we assume that there was but again the source that we were told it from is somewhat unreliable <laughs> um it was a soul from inside of frostborn which well that could have its own implications in general um the short story that was recently released does make it seem like that is definitely somewhat the case but it also pointed out that death knights can somewhat control the mindless undead as long as they are close enough so if we were to worst case scenario not have a you know, Lich King or Queen around, Death Knights that are around or that survive the ordeal to come could potentially lend a hand in making sure that the mindless, ravenous masses of the Scourge are either maintain, or contained, I guess would be the best way to put it, or, or dealt with at least somewhat, since, well, they don't have to sleep, eat, breathe, all that other good stuff that living things do. So they could probably have an ever-vigilant watch just as much as a uh, Lich King or Queen could have done. What do you think, Matt? I do not understand why we can't just wipe freaking scored. I just don't get this idea that it's impossible. I mean, they're freaking mindless, and they're on a glacier. It's not like there's a ton of places for them to hide and just just get people together and scorch earth it over and over again if you have to until they're all gone. I don't understand this concept. We've clearly dealt with, you know, Thrall even says we've dealt with, like, you know, in, you know impossible odds before. We fought the Legion a couple of times now. I, I just don't understand this. Why we keep acting like the Scourge are just impossible to stop. You know, it's just, it's, it's a glacier. There's nobody there. Just blow everything up all the time until they're all dead. We have explosives. We have airships. I, I don't get this. It has never been an idea I understand. 
Like, why can't we just wipe them out? Well, we also have to deal with the ones that are in the Plague Lands as well, which, again, not to take deal away from the point. After. Yeah. The Plague Lands have already been somewhat dealt with. There's less of them there than there were before. Just keep pushing on Ice Crown until they're all dead there, and then move on to the other places where they are. It just... I don't... You know, we just waged a total war against each other for no stupid reason. We could possibly get together that war machine for an actual reason for once. Uh, this has just never been one of those things. Also, I, I, the whole we're ignoring the sword thing, there's no way to understand whether or not they're actually ignoring the sword. Uh, we dealt with it as much <laughs> as we could. You know what I mean? What I'm saying? Yeah, see, like, it, it, a lot of it, I think, falls into the category, and I, and I joke about this a lot, but every expansion, I'm reminded of how true it actually is. We are so busy running from one crisis to the to the next that we forget about the old crisis. Like, we never dealt with what happened after Wrath of the Lich King because there was something else to go run and do. And so we were devoted to that had we had been able to, you know, sit down and, you know, think about how to deal with it. We probably could have wiped out the scourge and taken care of that problem. Uh, same thing with the sword inside of, you know, Azeroth's side. You know, we have this giant. No, I'm going to be up front. I don't see what you think you're going to do about that. Like straight up. It's there. But if it's the put, idea that we're not investing any more time in it like we were before. Well, obviously, they were. I mean, the, there's, the people who were investing time in the sword in the first place weren't us. We weren't there in Silithus dealing with that. And those people, as far as I know, are still there in Silithus dealing with that. Like, I, I, There's no reason. that. How is it we're ignoring the sword now any more than we were ignoring the sword six months ago? <laughs> we were always ignoring the sword. <laughs> We've never actually done anything about it. From the the last time we did anything about that sword, we drained we drained whatever power Sargeras had left in it that was poisoning the planet out of it, shorted out our artifacts, and that was the last time we did anything about that sword. So we're not ignoring it more now. We're ignoring it just as much. It has never been dealt with. It was never dealt with once in Battle for Azeroth. Yeah. It, it never has been the focus. It's it, And I don't think that's a mistake. It's like... This is a planetary-sized stab wound. It's not like you can just pull the thing out. We don't have the means to pull it out. What are we going to pull it out with? And and you brought this up a couple weeks ago, too, right? Where it's like, and I think we talked about it on the most recent Blizzard Watch podcast. Sometimes when you get, you know, you see it in movies and, and TV shows and stuff like that. Saw it in my own case. I, I yeah. was impaled in the chest with the, the hood of a car when I was in a car accident. They didn't take the hood of the car. Like they they cut the thing, they cut a diagonal size clip and like left it in me until they got me to the hospital. Yeah, they don't just take those things out because they can't. They, You'll they just make bleed sure. Out. Yeah, and that's the thing is we don't have a hospital for Azeroth. We don't have a place we can take the planet. Yeah, we don't even know. <laughs> we don't even know what we can do about it. Even with the all of the druids and all of the shaman and all of the healers of Azeroth focusing on it, it really hasn't gotten much better. Yeah, I mean, they even made the point that they didn't know how do you heal a planet. Like, they, 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 they're kind of just doing their best. They haven't got a clue what to do. And, yeah, n nobody has been doing anything with the sword because there's nothing to be done. It's not that they're ignoring it so much as they're like, okay, now what? Anyone got an idea? How deep is this thing? I mean, that's the other thing is, like, how deep is that blade into the planet? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have no idea. I by looking at it, I cannot tell its scale. Yeah, we have no I idea. I cannot tell how deep it goes. I cannot tell based on the cinematic. It wasn't like a full great sword size sword. 
it was, but I mean, that's a ridiculous thing to say when it is that big. But nevertheless, it was in Sargeras had it in one hand. Now, does Sargeras have Titan's grip? I, I, and that's, you know, just think about how silly this is. This conversation is. The Sargeras you know, have Titan's grip. I love it. You know, I mean, I don't know how big that sword was. I don't know how deep it has gone into the planet. Is it penetrating all the way to the core? Is it a few miles deep? I don't know the answer to that question. I know that it's like, it looks like the majority of it is above the horizon. I mean, above the crust of the planet, but I can't be sure of that. Yeah, especially because, I mean, it was crafted by Sargeras and crafted to his specifications, and it could be as as long or, or you know, or shaped however he want, wanted it to be. So we well, don't I'm just know. saying, from the cinematic, we can see what it looked like when he used it. Sure. That, that part we can see. But that doesn't mean much when you're looking at it in the world. It's it's very hard to get approximate details of, on, like, you know, how broad is it? How, how deep is it? You know, I just... I don't I don't know what there is people expect Mike my, my character to do about this. Like we're ignoring it. How are we ignoring it? How am I, what am I supposed now, to do? Go hang out in Silithus and stand there for a week? Now the one <laughs> thing I will the one argument that I will say that I've I've seen some people make about it is for those of us that play druids or shaman or, you know, classes that were supposed to be working on this, and we're supposed to be like this pinnacle of our order. Right. So like, yeah, here's the thing, though, man, I've always thought this about that. There's a there's a comment that gets made when you go down there by one of the people who's there. I think it's a scenario circle guy saying, what am I supposed to do about this? You know, I don't heal planets like the ground. I cast a healing spell at the dirt. Is that helping? Is the planet now healed? I, I don't. This is not my scale of influence. I don't feel like, you know, if you have a shaman or a druid or a paladin going down to Silithus and hitting the ground with holy light is not going to do anything any more than it ever did. Does that heal the planet? Are we capable of, you know, it's kind of like imagining if a bunch of microbes are standing around a gut wound, what are they going to do about it? You know, and, and while that's a valid point, I can, I'm just saying I can understand where some people are feeling that they're, to them, this is one of the mo- more pressing issues and I get it, it's the whole, hey, this is, you know, what happened to Earth? I live here. Like, it's that type of thing and feeling like they can't contribute. But I think that's part of what they're going for. A little bit to, to your point, Matt, is you as a player character, I think, are supposed to feel slightly out of your depth when it comes to this. I, I think that's sort of the point of this giant sword sticking out of Azeroth. That said, yeah, I get it. Uh, I, but going back to the whole Scourge thing... I think Matt's right. Like we could just deal with it. We could completely and utterly obliterate them from everything. We could do a scorched earth policy if we really needed to. Uh, just a matter of when we get time to actually sit down and do it. But, oh, and something I actually meant to talk about with this question that we forgot to. I don't think we're going to get a new helm because I think that helm is going to get reforged. Yes. Um, I think that's why we brought the pieces. Yeah, you'll notice we're using the thing to, to power the teleport board. Yeah, and one of the and one of the first things you wind up doing throughout your travels in there is go into Torghast, which happens to have a Soul Forge and happens to have a Rune Carver just kind of hanging around. So I could see that being a thing. But I wouldn't even be surprised if they re- if if we end up taking the swords that the Death Knight made out of Frostmourne and reforging them into Frostmourne. Like that wouldn't shock me. I don't know that that's going to happen. Where we see much more focus on the helm than we do on the sword, but it could happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that from from experience, rune. We know rune blades at least. If a rune blade is shattered and then reforged, it's much stronger. Uh, that's what happened with Felomalor. It got broken and remade, and remade version was much stronger. Uh, so if you did reforge the Helm of Domination, it could possibly be much stronger. I don't. You know, that's we're kind of into the weeds here with a lot of this stuff. But I definitely don't. I don't know that we need a new Lich King slash Queen with a new Helm to control or eradicate the Scourge. But we might need one for something else. Like, like say the prison the breach, yeah, or the big prison hell dimension that's gotta have somebody in charge of it, because uh, you know I I don't see us ending this expansion with the jailer and us being buddies. This is not gonna be a, this was all a misunderstanding. You know we're not gonna have a conversation and he's gonna have a a, a Damascus moment. No, I I don't see that happening. So at the end, the the jailer is going to have to be dealt with one way or another, even if he's he's dealt with by being you know, imprisoned again, I don't think he'll be the jailer anymore. I don't think anyone's going to let him be in charge. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. And I, and I, and I think that the scourge part of it will wind up being dealt with as just sort of a function of what we're going to be doing, at least to some capacity, because I, everything seems pretty tied up in that. Uh, So who knows? But as we move through, I mean, whoever, whoever gets, I'm on the I'm on the boat of I, I think that the helm's gonna get reforged. Whoever dons that helmet, I think, is gonna start pulling the scourge back through that portal in trying to seal them away in, you know, the maw. Like I, I don't know if that's actually gonna happen, but I'm I'm kinda feeling like something like that might happen because that breach has to be sealed at some point. We're not just going to leave that breach open. So and I think I think it'll all have something to do with each other. But yeah. Otherwise Nothing else to really add to that one unless you got something left over. All right. Uh, Our next question comes from Jack Jack. Uh, Now that we've seen what caused the Arbiter's malfunction, do you think Sylvanas had a hand in it? Was her job to cause said malfunction or to simply feed them all more souls and thus the Jailer more power? I gotta say, people keep acting like, you know, well, we've seen what caused it. No, we didn't. We saw something. That doesn't tell me anything. A red thing hit her. Well, (laughs) we we know two things. It, the the the, te- the the actual verbiage in the game says that Denothrius was responsible for the drought. Like, flat out it says that. And we know that the energy that hit it looks very similar to the Revendreth energy. That's, that's what we know so far. Okay, yeah, but that's, that's less than nothing. Well, okay, it's not less than nothing. It's more than nothing, but it's less than an actual thing. Uh, you know, Denathrius has claimed responsibility for, or someone else has claimed that Denathrius is responsible for the drought. Who claimed that? His son. Okay, his son has a vested interest in getting us to help him overthrow his father. I mean, I think we have a vested interest at this point too, though. Still, yeah, so. but that's not that doesn't change the fact that these are people who lie like it's candy. So, <laughs> but but po- it's possible that Nathrius is responsible. It's possible that Sylvanas is responsible. Uh, and right now, all we know is that you know there's a cinematic, there's the bread thing hitting the arbiter, and the arbiter goes boo boo, and that's it. Until we come back from the mall, and then the arbiter's like, uh, uh, which I don't, I don't get why. Okay, we came back from the mall, and now the arbiter's like, oh, is that daddy? No, I guess. you know, I, I don't know what to tell you in terms of who did it. Did Sylvanas have a hand in it? I don't know. Um, if she's working, you know, we know she's working for the jailer. It's quite possible that the jailer set something up where Sylvanas is funneling souls through, and Denathrius knew to do whatever he did, uh, which. How did Denathrius do that if he did it? What did he do? Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard to know what's going on. We didn't really get an answer to anything. We didn't see what caused it. We saw the means by which it was accomplished, but not the actual cause. 
it's kind of like saying that, you know, oh, now we know what happened to the, to the murder victim. He was shot. Okay. Who shot him? <laughs> I mean, yes, technically he was shot is an answer, but I knew something had happened anyway because he was bleeding on the ground. I knew something bad had happened. Knowing that it was a gun does give me I, – I can stop looking for knives, but it doesn't tell me who did it. And that's – even if you've got someone else going, yes, you know, he did it. How did he do it? When did he do it? With what? Like, you know, if, if this was the kind of thing that was easy to accomplish, I, one assumes it would have happened before now. And how come the Arbiter with all the, her perfect understanding didn't see it coming? You know, we keep hearing over and over again about how the Arbiter's the perfect understanding of every soul put before her. Well, how Maybe come- not so much, because Denothrius did what he did. How 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 did that happen to go unnoticed? Well, I mean, one possibility is that the, the various heads of the, the, the quote-unquote pantheon of death, they, they never bent before the Arbiter. Also I mean, true. They never died, so their souls never went before her. They weren't placed where they were. The only one we know that seems to have been put where it was against its will uh, is Zaval, the jailer. That's the only one that seems to be someplace. They, uh, so I don't know. That, that, this is the kind of thing where is did Savant have a hand in it? Clearly, she's got some kind of hand in all this. Does that mean she's specifically responsible for shutting down the Arbiter? Beats me. Uh, if you're if the thing about Denathrius is the case, then probably not. He doesn't seem to be like they don't seem to be working particularly closely together. No, it, it almost feels like individual cells of an organization, like with their own tasks. Like, here's your job, go do it. Here's your job, go do it. Here's your job, go do it. But this is a very hard question to answer in terms of just the question itself, because I think Matt's right. We don't know. Uh, we're, We're still in the process of piecing together the mystery as player characters, right? Like, even if you get to the end of all of the the intro quests for all the zones, you get through the Maw stuff, and you start doing your campaign, you're still piecing this stuff together, and we haven't gotten to the next part yet. And one assumes that part of that's going to be when we get into uh, the castle uh, of Nathria, when we actually go in there to try to confront Denathrius, and, you know, one would assume that he's going to villainously monologue at some point. But we're still trying to figure out what happened. All we've been shown is a piece of it. And like Matt pointed out, we know we know kind of what happened, sort of, maybe, to like a very limited extent. We don't know what the energy was. We don't know what it was. We don't know who shot it or where it came from. Um, the assumption that I've been making is that it, it looks like if you were sitting in Oribos and looking around, it seems logical that it came from Revendreth, but it could have been from anywhere. Uh, so we really don't know. And if Solanus had a hand in that, maybe, or she could have just been a player on the team. Uh, we'll find out more as it goes along, but I think it's, aside from what we know of being told in-game, and like Matt's pointed out, these people tend to be liars, uh, or at least consumers of sin. So how much can you consume before you become that sin? Uh, so no idea. No idea. Anything else to add to that one, sir? No. All right. Our next one comes from our favorite radioactive lizard, Godzilla. Uh, question for Lorewatch. Uh, holy lore implications, Joe Man and Rossi Bean. Okay. Uh, is the Winter Queen Alun's sister? Just how long has Sylvanas been in the mall to know about the Primus and his prophecy? Sylvanas believing that she truly has never had free will at all. Uh, in all my various WoW expansion launches, I can honestly say I'm completely at a loss of what comes next. Sure, I know the return of our best Litchie boy, uh, Kalthas, 
uh, Keltha freaking Zod, sorry, uh, in the uh, Covenant campaign, but beyond that, the tiniest of tinfoil theories, though it does look like Forsaken Souls do go to the Shadowlands, judging by the limited walking around in Bastion, Warbrave Oro from High Mountain says hi. There's a lot here. Uh, so I guess we can start with the big one, which, I mean, I think we got more messages on this for this episode than probably any other topic we've had in the past over several hundred episodes. Uh, and this is the comment that the Winter Queen made when you bring the Dream Pod before her when we figure out it's Ysera in there and everybody's begging her to, you know, take her out of the pod, bring her back to life. Uh, and she makes the comment of, this is of my sister's work. No, she calls her my sister's pet. My sister's pet, excuse me. This yep. is my sister. Why should I do this? Yeah. So, yeah. Big thing. What do you? What, what do you? What did you make of that particular moment? I mean, what is there to make of it? <laughs> I, I don't understand sometimes when people are like, you know, what does this mean? I mean, it means that she's calling someone her sister's back. We'd certainly seem to imply that it is the Queen's sister, but what does that mean to them? She could be using sister in the terms of, you know, Elune seems to have some kind of dominant control over Ardenweal. I mean, not over Ardenweal, over the Emerald Dream, in much the same way that the Queen has over Ardenweal. They could be that kind of mirroring force. Uh, they could literally be sisters. Elune could be one of these these pantheon, just not 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 a death one, but these beings are extremely powerful. Her opposite number is life. We know that these are like they they are to death what the Titans are to order. There could be a whole group of them of life. Elune could be one of them. I mean, we really don't know. We just know that the Winter Queen said. My sister's, and that certainly does seem to imply something, but it does not necessarily come right out and state exactly. Although interestingly enough, one of the things that I, that was pointed out to me when I was talking about this with somebody uh, over the last couple of days is that the pantheon, the remaining pantheon, when there's a scene where you all talk basically in the chamber, arbiter, uh, there's this big thing. Nobody else is referred to as sister or brother or anything like that. It's our old friend or, you know, our friend here or whatever. So people are trying to take that and this to mean that there's a slightly more familial relationship with the Winter Queen, which is entirely possible because we do know that a lot of uh, entities aligned with the Loon seem to be destined to wind up in Ardenwell, whether it's the ancients, uh, wild gods, uh, or the night warriors, they seem to have this natural... Uh, ordering into Ardenweld when they pass through. Uh, Which does actually give us another candidate for who she's talking about. Okay, go for it. A&R. That is entirely possible because one of the, and I noticed this this morning when I was going through a bunch of like legendary stuff, one of the items that you can get is an item named after A&R, which could be a coincidence or it could be exceptionally specific. Well, here's the thing, the reason I'm saying it. Uh, first off, we've been told before that Freya was the one who shaped Mm-hmm. And but gifted Ysera the dream, right? Freya was empowered by Aenar, and it was Aenar's power that was used to elevate Ysera from a proto-drake to a dragon app. It was Aenar who gave Ysera her task. So if that's how you look at it, if you look at the, the various Eternals of the Shadowlands as a pantheon mirroring the Titans, then Aenar could be the other aspect. It's the Seelie to use those terms. I'm not saying that that's the, but it could. And you could make the case that Ysera is very much the creation of Aenar, more so than she is the creation of Elune. Elune clearly, however, selected her at the end of, of yeah. Le during during the Legion, the end of a 
Val Shiraz story when we saw that it was who took her up bodily into the sky. So yeah, there's there's evidence for you. Yeah. I don't, and I have no idea which she's referring to. She doesn't say she doesn't say it's you know my sister Elune, and she doesn't turn and look at the, at the player Elune, my sister. Just so you know, I'm clearing this all up right now. No <laughs> no ambiguity, guys. You know so. Yeah, and and I'm I'm inclined to think that same train of thought as well because it wasn't Elune that created the dragon flights the way that they were empowered they were empowered through titanic intervention uh whether you want to call it the, the watchers as titanic intervention which i, I do uh but through well, that not just power that, the, right the power of the titans is literally what empowered her it was yeah exactly it wasn't, wasn't the the keepers that it was the titans themselves it was amanthul empowered storm empowered ysera i think she also empowered alexstrasza vex so yeah i mean ultimately i, I it's certainly possible that it could also be a loon. I mean, that neither one of them is ruled out by any of this. No. And and there are some other things that, that were pointed out as well, is that we've seen a lot of Naru so far, this expansion. Uh, and it's pretty in your face about it as far as, like, dealing with them, uh, which, again, Naru are often associated in some capacity with the loon in the players' minds, uh, which entirely is possible that Anne could have been right all those long, all those many years ago when, and a loon is just basically a Naru. Uh, or she made herself right, you know, I'm looking at you and I see you. Uh, but we've seen one in the uh, Maldraxxus Theater of Pain. There's a, uh, in the actual overworld, not in the dungeon, uh, but if you go there and you do the arena stuff, one of the combatants is a uh, Dark Naru. Uh, so that that's one right off the bat. One of the quest lines that we go through when you go into, I want to say it's the Sanguine Depths, uh, which is essentially one of the prisons of the Venthyr, is you're going in there to rescue the prisoner, which happens to be a Naru who's being tortured by the Venthyr, uh, which, again, gives more credence to the whole idea that the Venthyr have been learning how to weaponize the light uh, for years and years and years, uh, because that's one of the things that seems that's happening in that encounter. And then you... I mean, if you want to talk about if, if you're looking for a way to send a corrupt bolt of light to hit the Arbiter, using a Naru might be one way to do it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and then as we get to that Naru in the depths, it winds up going into its core form, just like we found with uh, Zira, and then we, you know, wind up rescuing it. And that's more Naru than we saw the entirety of last expansion already, and that's just in a world zone and a dungeon. So things are getting really interesting on this front. And we know that there's going to be some interesting implications with the loon coming down the line, whether or not the winter queen meant that a is her sister or anr is her sister. I'm leaning more towards anr but there's a possibility that there's a more intricate relationship than we can possibly. Um, as far as the other questions here, cause Godzilla asked us quite a bit, man, uh, just how long has Sylvanas been in the mall to know about the primus and his prophecy, uh, doesn't necessarily have to be there long, the jailer can know all about that, especially because he seems to be also, on power scheme with the Primus, right? Yeah, plus, I mean, time itself doesn't necessarily matter, and we've been told that. Yeah. It's not a realm where time really is, so she could have been there for subjective years at this point. We know from the Moa opening that Jaina basically says, yeah, I've made multiple attempts to escape, and you're sitting there, you've only been captured like a day. I mean, from our perspective, you, this just happened, and now you're telling me about all these different escape attempts. And when you go back in to find Mograine, uh, you find... Oh, yeah. He's, find, how long have I been here? Yeah, you find uh, young Mograine first. Uh, Darian? Darian? Yeah. Yep. You find Darian Mograine first, and he's like, you know, then they've been doing stuff to him. He's completely free him. 
and you go grab Alexandros. Uh, Alexandros has no idea how long he's there too. Uh, he tries to warn you about something that's going to happen, and you're like, yeah, that already happened. Like, oh, I missed. There's there's no reason Sylvanas couldn't know about all sorts of stuff, because from her perspective, there's no, like, time is subjective. It can just go on and on and on, and she could have been there for, from her perspective, she could have been there for a decade. Yeah, it, yeah. And not only that, but I mean, don't don't take away the fact that Sylvanas is very uh, well studied in espionage, I guess would be the best way to put it. So it's she could have eyes in other places, especially in Maldraxxus of all places. And that's one of the big story hitches is that, you know, betrayal and, you know, it's kind of upfront with Maldraxxus. So who knows who decided that they were working with the. Uh, the jailer went and started funneling that information like that literally could have been one of those creatures or, or entities sitting right next to you when the prophecy was told to somebody else. Uh, they could have just reported back. It could have just been somebody standing there like, oh, I'm just the vendor selling, you know, weird trash water. Oh, that's an interesting story. My boss will want to know about that and then goes back and tells him the prophecy and then spirals from there. There's a million ways that she could have known that just make perfect sense. I don't think it's anything too entirely special. And I don't think it really the time that she's been down. Uh, the last piece is, and I believe this is from the cinematic that you're referring to, uh, Savannah's believing that she truly has never had uh, any free will at all. Uh, possibly. Uh, I believe this is the whole idea of her railing against predetermination. Uh, but again, I still think there's more going on with her than we know. And her statement seemed to be very targeted at Anduin. So whether or not she's telling the truth or playing on his heartstrings, uh, because even in that moment, you'll notice that Anduin was sitting there telling her she doesn't have to do this. You know, everything could be made right, essentially. And she's just going on about how she's never had any free will at all. It could just be something to throw him off kilter or to get into his into his mind or under his skin. No idea. Anything. Did you take anything out of that or get anything out of that nope. interplay? No, I think we. All right. Our next question comes from our friend 6K. Question for Lorewatch. What is the history of the leaders of each of the realms in Shadowlands? How did they come to be where they are? And which one are we more likely to have to take down in an upcoming dungeon or raid? And why? Um, well, the Primus seems to be pre-taken down. Oh yeah, I don't he's got to do anything to the Primus. He's a he's and, a broken thing. And the guy we like first Margrave whatever that we first teamed up with, the, the head of the House of the Chosen, he dead too. <laughs> um, and I don't know what happened to Baron Virax after we turned on the defenses. He he seemed to survive, but he ran away. The other houses in in Maldraxxus are seem to be actively working for the Jailer. Yeah, and those two Margraves yeah. are in the Theater of Pain. Like you see them, yeah. they taunt you. So Maldraxxus is definitely a case where we're gonna we're gonna have to kill somebody. Uh, yeah. I don't know who, but yeah, someone's getting taken out. Um, uh, Ardenweald, I don't think we're going up against the winter. It doesn't seem very like. No, we uh, know we of, we know we're going we after know, Denathrius. Yeah, Denathrius is definitely someone. The Archon, uh, I can never remember her name. Cuthela uh, the first, something the first. The Archon doesn't seem to be a threat. Like when when finally forced to accept the severity of the situation the archon does move in a positive direction it just takes a lot to moving um in terms of the history we we know these guys are all really old and they've been ruling these planes for a very long time and that's basically it we don't have a lot of stories of this is how it went down when i first decided to create this place yeah even you know what I'm saying? and that's the thing like they're they we don't know that they created the places to begin with like one of the things that was pretty 
uh, I don't want to say heavily implied, but sh- but talked about with uh, Ardenwald, if you choose it as your covenant, is one of the things is, how did the Winter Queen come here? And the fairies are straight up, she doesn't even know how she got here. She just was here one day, walking through the forest. And then a soul showed up, and she decided, okay, I got to do my thing now. And just instinctually knew what to do. But, like, they make it seem like even even these individuals don't necessarily fully understand how they came to be or how their realms came to be, which is fascinating to me, at least. Yeah, because the, the whole idea of the eternal ones is what they're called, is that they just seem to be timeless. Like, since there's no time in the Shadowlands, they just have always been. As long as we, you know, if they haven't, they don't know of a time they weren't. It, it reminds me almost like the, uh, again, the Titans, right? Like, uh, Amonthul just woke up one day, right? He doesn't understand how he was born, and then he just found other souls and nurtured them. But nothing in the Titans' description says they understood how, you know, Titan babies were made. Uh, they just went searching for ones that already existed. So it, it's almost like that, in a way, where it's like they just were there. And, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that... We're finding out as much about these zones and about their creation as I think some of the higher and the higher ups in those zones even more than they have even looked into it. Because it seems like for the most part, everything's been sort of like, this is just our job. We're just going to go do it. We're not going to question anything. Uh, and here we are questioning. Our- but yeah, uh, as far as any other important folks that we'll see in raids, I don't think we've met everybody yet. I think we're going to keep meeting people. Um, although I would not be terribly surprised if we see another broker of some import at some point in a raid. Uh, we already fight one in a dungeon. Uh, in the other side, there is a broker that made a deal with Wamsamdi, who you know doesn't want to give up that mojo, and we have to go and kick their little blocky head in. Uh, but I get the feeling that there's a little more going on with them than we know at this point. They're, they're even shadier than ethereals. I would not be terribly surprised if one of the ones we deal with on a regular basis turns out to be a villain of some type. Any other NPCs of note that you think we might, that we've run into that we might have to put down? I mean, you know, we might have to put down every, every time we meet anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't like the, with the Primus situation being nebulous. Uh, I mean, Draka is almost certainly going to be a raid boss, and then probably Vosh after her. No, I don't expect. It. Uh, I don't really know. Like, I I do think we're going to. I I think if Viraz isn't already in a raid or dungeon, I think he's going to be in one. Yeah. I don't know if he is in one or not. To be honest with you, I've looked. Uh, so if if Viraz doesn't come back for a dungeon, then he will come back for almost a certain. We, we've got the one dungeon that's set in Revendreth. I expect there to be a raid at least in one other zone, if not more. Mm-hmm. It depends on how many raid tiers we get. And if we get multiple raids in any of them. Like if the next tier has like, instead of having one dun- have one raid dungeon, has like two or three, then I would expect to see like one of them would be set in Maldraxxus and one of them would be set in uh, in Ardenweald. Yeah, I would be... Possibly- I would be very surprised if we don't have one in Nexus. So it comes down to like, you know, how many raid tiers we have and how many, you know, raids per tier. Like if this goes the way the last couple have gone, we'll have maybe three tiers total. And like at least one of the tiers will have two. Or Like if you look at Battle for Azeroth, an example, we had um, Aldir. I think it was called, right? I always forget that. We had Aldir, then we had Battle for Dazar lore. And slightly before that, we had the something of Storms. The Crucible, one out, Crucible uh, of Storms. Crucible of Storms. 
And then finally, we obviously, we had uh, the Ashara raid, and then we had the Nazoth raid. So if we go with that, if we have that many raids again, then we probably could get a raid zone in a final, possibly somewhere. Depending on, you know, if uh, it turns out that the, the Jailer is the end boss of the Asian, which we've heard he is, that, that, that would be. But in terms of, you know, I don't have any to fix. I mean... A lot of them feel like no-brainers. Like Sylvanas feels like a no-brainer. The Jailer feels that doesn't mean it'll happen. Yeah, we could we could never get to fight Sylvanas, which I think would be an interesting play on their part. But it's entirely possible. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm with you. I mean, Larry. at some point, I don't know. I know that we get um, Darian out, and I know we get other people out. I don't know. Do we do we get Anduin or Jaina or Thrall out so far? As far as we not know? yet. The only one that Is I it, can confirm we've gotten out is Bane. So there could be at some point we have to fight the three of them, you know, to snap them out of it. Like they could get mind control. There's even a cinematic of the three of them being tortured, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, cinematic in so much as it's different areas of the Maw where we hear them and hear their interactions. Uh, so it's entirely possible that we do have to go get them out. It could be campaign stuff. It could be we have to fight them, I, which is terrifying uh, to think of having to fight Jaina again after she's been basically yeah, stripped Jaina. of humanity. Jaina is actually the the effective one. I'm not too worried about fighting Andrew all, especially not that guy. No, he. I mean, he just wants to use a crossbow as, an, as a melee weapon for some reason. Really, really thrall. I don't know why the Alliance is so obsessed with these things. Really thrall, a dick joke now? Come on, focus <laughs> up. We're busy. Uh, all right, well, thank you for that question, 6K. Our next one, uh, actually next three, uh, or... One that's broken into multiple parts is from Metal Zani. Question for Lorewatch. Greetings, you Apex Predators of Lore. Early spoiler, we know something happened to the Arbiter and mess up the sorting. I've been thinking there could be any reason it could it couldn't be any of these. Ysera seemingly getting sent straight to Ardenweald by a loon by bypassing the Arbiter. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I had a theory that Sargeras' sword is a soul engine itself, and when we cleansed it, all of the corrupted anima messed her up. Or three, Sardanathrius used his cool weapon and just hit her. Uh, thanks for all you do to keep us entertained. I mean, I didn't well, see the I mean, sword. Joe, it is Joe a cool is sword. thinking. Joe is thinking three. So yeah, yeah. I mean, just because it seems like he has all the cool toys and turned his castle into a gun or something, possibly. Um, I don't think Ysera getting sent directly. Uh, to Ardenweld bypassed, uh, bypassing the Arbiter messed that up too bad because, I mean, when we had the Ursoc short, Ursoc seemed, seemingly went straight there, and it seems like there are some mechanisms in place that allow creatures to go directly to certain places. Although, uh, to be fair, we don't know that, that they didn't go through the Arbiter, too, because it seems like everything goes through the Arbiter, even though things are dying all the time, and you'd think that that flood of souls would be too much, but apparently the Arbiter can handle it. Until she gets hit by red stuff, she's, you know, fine. <laughs> too much Kool-Aid. Oh, no. Too much red energy. But um, I don't know about the Sargeras theory. I, I mean, it's an interesting idea. But we, we do know that the Legion is, in fact, aware of the Shadowlands and has even dated it from time to time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking about in that one. And now we will destroy even death. It's like, okay, dude, you're killing everything. What are you you kill the place where everybody goes to be dead, and you, you where, where are they gonna go? The universe is gonna get crowded up with ghosts. Although I do to our soul engines. Although I do so, think yeah. after doing Bastion that I think that the Legion only had a passing interest in uh, the Shadowlands because the Void showed an interest in the Shadowlands. Yeah, there's that that attacked Bastion. So 
Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to me that the Void Attack Bastion and Bastion Hamlet, they didn't call in Maldraxxus. Yeah. yeah. Maldraxxus has shown absolutely no signs of actually defending anything ever. No, they're too busy. They're, with, they're too busy they, having Fight Club. Yeah, and, and they've never shown any sign of it. For all that they talk a good game, there's no sign that they actually do their job ever. Um, the Primus yeah. being gone might be a reason why you never see them doing their job, but there's no sign in any of the stuff that predates his sudden disappearance. There's still no sign of, of Maldraxxus actually getting off their butts to defend anything. Yeah, um, and I mean, somebody made the argument, because I, I brought that up, and they were like, oh, it's because they're too busy dealing with their own internal civil war right now. I was like, yeah, but what about before? Yeah, I just it seems like their entire culture is based around them constantly fighting each other all the time. They even have like a pit of it. It's just, you know, the first thing you do when you get there is to get involved in a giant pit, pit scrum. So, yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. I, I don't I keep thinking about Gul'dan and that explanation about, you know, frayed frayed threads off of a single rope. It's like, I, I don't know, man. The, the idea of Gul'dan dying twice and going to like, you know, it just keeps making me think about it. Like, I obviously they're not going to do anything with it, but I keep thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably not that either. Uh, I, w- I would actually say it probably is Denathrius just because that fits neat more, most neatly into the story as we have it. Because we know Denathrius has been one of the jailer's big agents. He's up there. He's probably more important than Wazali, who did everything to get Helia on board. Yeah, and that's, made the, to me, oh, Helia and- get. I was just saying, we still don't know uh, the whole Odin's Eye thing, what they're doing with that, because Moizala makes it a point to, uh, it's a very poignant line in the other side dungeon where he, you know, boasts about it, you know, getting the eye for his boss. So, like, I'm wondering, that's another thing, another loose end that we need that hopefully gets tied up. But, sorry, that's neither here nor there. Didn't mean to interrupt you. It's fair enough. I just... With between like the whole thing about getting Helia on board, get you know, and with Helia, you now have a way to control the Mossworn, and you you have people like Davos who are working alongside uh, Helia. I'm sorry if that's a spoiler; it's been so tough. Well, I mean, uh, this, so, yeah. this episode's got a giant spoiler warning on. It. I think we're good. But yeah, there's a lot going on in terms of all these things. So uh, I think in the end, it is probably going to be some some combination of these factors. What happened? Yeah, and I, and. Again, I think we're probably going to find out more about it as we make our way through uh, the castle, uh, because it seems like they talk about the weapon that Denothrius has in the castle. Like, that's one of the things that caught me going through this time around instead of on the beta when I was doing it is they talk about he's got a weapon. He's got a big, nasty weapon of some type. Uh, so who knows? Maybe he's got an animal rail cannon somewhere like uh, entirely possible probable that it was him but the other ones don't seem to fit like nothing else really seems to fit and this is an, and this is a conversation i've been having with a lot of people lately you know some people are still on this whole oh well, when we killed argus it must have done it but then there's people that show up you know in various places that don't necessarily mean that or uh some folks have pointed out like Oh, what if it was beforehand or, you know, what if it was this and that? There's a million things that could possibly have started causing the breakdown. But the thing we know was the toppling point was the Arbiter and figuring out the timing of that is probably going to be virtually impossible. Matt pointed out already that it's time is different in the Shadowlands. So it could have literally happened a week ago in game time for us, but been a thousand years in the Shadowlands. Because, again, time is meaningless there. So... It's really hard to pinpoint, and I don't think it's going to be necessarily just one thing that broke the machine of death. 
Uh, I think that it was probably already breaking down before the Arbiter got shut down. Uh, if anything, the Arbiter was probably the last thing keeping it limping along as it was supposed to. Uh, but yeah, we'll find out more as as we move on through the campaigns. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think we, we've already answered this one. So Talos and I apologize. Uh, we've already answered the uh, question about the uh, Winter Queen and the Elune one. Uh so if you were something more specific you wanted out of that, go ahead and send another question in. Uh, but we'll move on to Elucid Ire. A question for Lorewatch. Did Sylvanas break the helm instead of putting it on for fear of being controlled by the Jailer? What do you two think? Well, that's an interesting thing to think about because here's, a, here's the thing. If she believes she has no free will, if she actually believes that, then why would she be worried about being... If you don't have any free will, then there's no possibility of anything happening other than the destiny preordained for you. Mm-hmm. If it's all just going to happen anyway, then there's no problem with letting the jailer, the jailer come because he's controlling you anyway, or something else is. So that to me is a big sign that she does think she has free will, and she's just BSing Anduin because that's what she does. But also, we don't actually know that's why she didn't. We don't even know that she wasn't supposed to break it. I mean, it seems like it wasn't what she was supposed to do. It certainly seems to have shocked Bolvar, who definitely was not expecting her. I honestly find myself wondering if Bolvar let himself get taken out as quickly as he did because he expected her to put the helmet on, and then he thought, great, we should, you know, I've got multiple people here waiting to kill the Lich King, and it won't be me anymore. So she'll get killed, I'll be free, win-win for everybody. And then she broke the damn thing, and he was like, oh, okay, didn't see that. You, you get that from him that he didn't see it coming. He repeats that multiple times, like, I couldn't have foreseen this. So... In terms of that, did did she put it on because she's afraid? Did she not put it on because she was afraid to be controlled? Well, I mean, it depends on whether or not she believes truly that she did not have free will. Um, if she believes that she does not have free will, then that's not why she did it. If she did it, you know, if that was not what she was supposed to do, then she would have had to have a different. I'm all ears for that one. But if if she did it because she did fear to be controlled, or if she simply didn't want to play along with the jailer's game, like that's one of the things that if you believe you don't have free will, you might test it. Yeah. Like, what if I do this? Huh? Were you ready for that? Did you expect that? Yeah. You know, go ahead now. Now, how does the plan work? You know, if you think that the plan, if there's like a plan in the cosmos and you're just dancing to its tune, you might be tempted to blow up the orchestra. Like, go ahead now. What, what, what do you got now? How are you going to control me now? How am I going to be made to do anything I don't want to do? So that's one possibility. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm definitely with you on that one. Uh, but I don't, I'm still not in the camp. I, I don't believe that Sylvanas truly believes she doesn't have free will, at least not at this point. Uh, if anything, I think that she's she's been orchestrating a plan longer than I think we've been anticipating it, and probably to a degree that we don't even know yet. So I think that her breaking the helm is part of her plan, not necessarily based on, and I think it serves her purpose. We Matt brought out a point a long time ago, uh, a long time ago, like a month ago, where you can tell somebody to do something, but Sylvanas is the type of person that if you are not explicitly like pedantic about how you like lay out the steps and you say, I, you know, you're the jailer, you go to Savannah's, open the gateway between our worlds. Well, if she figures out she can do that by destroying the helm and it furthers her goal, then she's accomplished the task that you gave her, just not in the manner that you expected her to or that you you meant for her to do because you weren't explicitly specific. It's like the whole making a wish with the genie thing. If you are not incredibly specific and like 
ex- like ex- precise with your wording. Yeah, if you get a genie wish, find a D&D player and have them draft your wishes out. Yep. Because they've had experience with this. <laughs> they've had genies. They've had the wish spell. They've had to do this. They're like, okay, this is exactly what I want. Without killing any of my friends or family, give me a million dollars that I have completely tax-free, legally, and without any rep- negative repercussions to my life in any way, shape, or form. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and... You, you, Basically, find a D&D player or a really good lawyer because you need this thing iron tight. And that's what Sylvanas does, basically. Like, even if she is being controlled by the jailer, even if she's in that deal with the jailer, like, everything that she's done has basically been to her own tune to a certain degree. It doesn't matter if she's been given instructions to complete a task. She's going to complete the task how she wants the task done. And if you notice, with nathanos in the past she was exceptionally specific in how she told them she wanted things done most of the time because she understood that mentality of if you're not specific and exacting somebody's going to find a way to do what you want and wiggle out around it uh it's the same thing with bomb samdi bomb samdi making deals with that with that loa is is a dangerous thing because if you are not explicitly specific in the terms of what you're asking for, he can turn around and go, okay, well, I fulfilled my end of the bargain. Now give me what I want. Uh, as long as he's completed what is perceived to be his end of the bargain. It's, it's just one of those things. Like I, like I said, I think it was her completing the task she was given in a manner in which suited her goal, her ultimate goal, and was not how the other folks expected it to play out. Simple as that. Uh, all right. I think we have time for one more set of questions here from Dak Grom. Uh, so this is two questions for Lore Watch. Longtime patron, first time questioner. Number one is Alexandros Morgrain a Death Knight in Maldraxxus? No. Death Knights dead. don't exist in Maldraxxus? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, well, the thing is, Death Knights are undead who are brought back to be around in the world of living. He's straight up dead. He may be a he knight is. in death, but that's not the same thing. Yeah, he's not a Death Knight, no. No. Um, and you, I, I can understand why you would get that impression, though, because he looks and acts very much like a Death Knight. But again, it could be one of those things where Death Knights were created in the original image of something that was gleaned from the Shadowlands. Go figure. Well, I think it's almost almost certainly the case that the Death Knights created by the Lich King using the power of the Maw are similar to the kind of thing we're seeing in the, in the Shadowlands. But again, we must be reminded People in Shadowlands are not unholy mockeries of life kept kept animated by necromantic power. They're dead. Yep. This is where they're supposed to be. Yep. This is their place of existence. We, it, in, in a very real way, you are playing a life knight. You are this strange living thing that has come forth into the land of the dead and is wandering around being alive there, which is not what's supposed to happen. You are, you are quote unquote, an abomination. Everyone's very confused about you. Like when you get through the ultimate, the starting thing of Maldraxxus, everyone's like a living mortal. Oh yeah. You are, you are the sideshow. Yeah. They do not understand what you are or how you're there. So yeah, you're as weird to them as a, like undead is to you because you're in their place, but you're alive, which you're not supposed to be. Yeah. And which also raises an interesting question of, we seem to be able to be zeroed in on cause we're living. I wonder what that means for the death knights that are helping us or Bolvar or Sylvanas for that matter, if that's why they weren't able to be tracked. So just because they're technically dead. So 
Who knows? Uh, the second question here from our friend Dakram. If the Ashbringer was a Naru, or shard of one, that means, based on our knowledge, when it is corrupted, it is probably a void Naru. If Alexandros is a Death Knight wielding the corrupted Ashbringer, does it give him void powers, or do Death Knights use void powers as well as necromantic? Uh, so He's not a Death Knight. He's not a Death Knight, and it's not it's actually not the... the corrupted, yeah, yeah, it's not the corrupted Ashbringer. <laughs> Although they do make the comment, I don't know where he got that skull. Yeah. And that could be, he could have very well snuck into Revendreth or going up to Maldraxxus and popped off a piece of the various Naru we see. Uh, but I don't think, we, we know there's something weird. When the original Ashbringer was made, it was made from a shard that was void-touched, and it was being used by an orc necrolite. Um, that orc was killed, but in touching the, the, the crystal fragment, Alexandros nearly lost his arm. Like, his arm was blasted and withered by the power inside it. And it wasn't until... A, multi, a group of multiple paladins began hitting the thing with the holy light, trying to destroy it, that it effectively suddenly started glowing with the holy light, and in touching it, Mograine's arm was healed. That's the original Ashbringer. That's the, the history of that disc. We don't know, to, to, this, to be fair, we absolutely do not know that that's a piece of Anaru. We have never been told that. No one has ever said that was a piece of Anaru. It could have been one of the Atomai crystals. Mm-hmm. And like Leaf Shadow, it could have been one of those. We don't know. We have no idea what that thing was. It seems very Naru-like, but we don't know what kind of power it was channeling. We know an Orc Necrolite had it, and that's it. Now, it could have been Void. It could have been Shadow Power. They use Shadow Power. Or it could have been Fell, you know? But we know that when it was eventually hit with Light, it took on the qualities of the Light. And it seems to be definitely whatever this thing is... When it's struck by a power source enough times, it takes on the qualities of that power source. But that's all we have. Uh, as for whatever's in that Fatebringer, I believe the sword is? Yes. Whatever's in Fatebringer, we don't know. We have no idea what it is. We know that it was made by the apprentice to the Primus um, because Alexandrus wanted something similar to the weapon used in life. And as he said, if you got your nickname from a weapon, you'd probably have strong feelings about it too. So yeah, it's... Whatever, it's, it, it definitely does not seem to be using Void, man. He uses it again alongside you. I don't know what it's channeling, but it doesn't seem to be. But that leaves a lot of options. It could be just channeling raw necromantic power. Absolutely. Why not? Everything else is. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of like dripping from the walls in Maldraxxus. So it could be that. Absolutely. Uh, it definitely doesn't seem to be the light. Yeah, the whole thing, it, it is interesting. A Fatebringer is a very interesting topic, but it is not... A corrupted Ashbringer, and he is not a Death Knight. He is a knight. He is dead. He is not a Death Knight. Yeah, and I mean, and that's I know that's going to be hard for a lot of players to reconcile, but it's unless we brought it in from Azeroth, it's something that exists in this world in a state yeah. of death. Right? Darian's a Death Knight. Yes, and what that means is Darian can go back to Azeroth. Alexandros can't. Alexandros is in Maldraxxus. He's in the Shadowlands. That's where he is now. That's his plane of existence. He no longer can visit Azeroth. It is not his plan of existence. So hopefully that answers your question about that a little bit. I mean, I know, again, I know it's going to be a little bit hard to uh, wrap wrap the head around, uh, uh, wrap your head around that it's he's not a Death Knight, just has very Death-like, Death Knight-like uh, appearance and powers. But again, kind of to be expected with the whole Death Knights were created by uh, the Lich King. And uh, yeah, he definitely was able to look into the Shadowlands. We know that for, for a fact. So uh, let's see. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to add to anything that you've experienced so far, Rossi. 
All right. Uh, so I expect that we're probably going to have some spoiler-filled episodes in the weeks to come, as to be expected. Uh, but if you have I questions... I mean, he's not even telling you about the, like, six other emails here that we didn't get to yet. Oh, we've got so many more, and I want you guys to keep sending them in. Uh, so as you experience uh, items in the game, I'm sure you're going to have questions, just like we will try to do our best to answer them with and speculate on them. Uh, but send them in. Send them in to us on our Discord channel. Send them into the patron and, and Q supporters uh, section. It's fantastic. Uh, we love the fact that you guys are there and that you ask these questions. And again, most of the questions that we pulled today were from there. Uh, if you're not a supporter, that's we understand. Things are tough. Uh, but you can go ahead and toss them into our other channel, which is just for uh, podcasts and Q questions. Uh, and if Discord's not your thing, you can go ahead and send them to us uh, via email, uh, which, again... We, it's podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We absolutely love getting those emails. And if you uh, are not specific in where you want them to go, Matt and I uh, have a wonderful fight over who gets what. Uh, but you can go ahead and send those in. And if you find interesting things as well, um, I have been told uh, from a very reliable source that there is a metric ton of Easter eggs hidden throughout all of the zones uh, that are very lore-focused. So as you're going through the zones and exploring, if you find something interesting, send it our way as well. Whether it's in one of those channels or send it to us on Twitter, that's fine too. Um, but ping us, let us know, because if we haven't seen it, because we can't be everywhere at once... I would love to see what you guys are finding. But otherwise, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcasts, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>